Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are going to talk about the DC Comics that were released on the twenty-first of March, twenty eighteen. But first, we have some news. Uh, DC released its most recent round of solicits today, and there is a number of uh, interesting things in here to talk about. Last time we talked about Hawkman, which uh, was already official, and the Justice League relaunch by Scott Snyder, Jim Chung, and um, Jorge Jimenez. That is now official. It's also official that book is going back to number one. It's it's renumbered, uh, which I have a couple of thoughts on. Um, do you guys think we're going to be seeing sort of a slow rollout of renumberings again? I do, yeah. Because we're seeing it with Superman already. We're presumably seeing it with the two Titans books, which we'll get to in a second. We're seeing it with Justice League. I think we'll see it with Green Lantern books next. Yeah, it's very possibly. I, I think the only thing that won't get renumbered is Batman. Because That's that about, has to yeah. reach 150 issues. It, it does, yep. <laughs> it has to achieve one Azrael before it <laughs> can reboot. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that thinking. I think that you're going to see Action and Detective keep their their legacy numbering forever. And pretty much everything else is going to get uh, renumbered eventually, which is interesting because I um, I wonder if like once James Robinson leaves Wonder Woman and the new long term writer comes in, if that will be the next you know shoot a drop, or because it sort of makes sense if you're never if you're not going to keep with the the sort of long term numbering for everything, it makes sense to when a new creator comes on a book for a major run that that's the time to renumber it if you're going to renumber it. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. This this is not a revolutionary thought. Um, But I think that by the end of the year, we'll probably only see Batman and maybe a few of, like, the New Age of Heroes books and Young Animal books still being, uh, you know, in their original rebirth numbering. Did you guys have any thoughts about the solicits for the six-week Man of Steel event? Oh, I'm worried about John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in the solicits, it mentions the the fate of Lois Lane and John Kent. And I, I feel like that's just teasing us. I can't imagine them getting rid of John. Can you? I thought um, you. I thought just a few weeks ago that you said that they were. Or you thought that they no, would. I don't think that. I, I, the more I think about it. And I, I was. I think I was talking about the possibility of it, but I didn't really believe it. Okay. And the more I think about it, I don't think they're going to do Okay. Cuz like I when I saw that solicit, the first thing I thought about was you saying that and I was like, "Oh crap." It's well, somebody else <laughs> uh, our friend Ken Goberson is convinced of it. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. Maybe I mentioned that Ken is fully convinced of that. Maybe. I mean, to be honest, I I I don't think they're going to do it, but I think they're playing upon our expectations that some people think it's going to happen. Right. But I, but I also couldn't. I also wouldn't put it past Bendis to sort of use John's kidnapping or something as a as a backdoor way to not have to write him if he doesn't want to write him very much. You know, 
Right. Like like perhaps John goes away for a while, but he's not dead or erased. You know, I I do I flat out do not think I don't think there's any chance John Kent gets quote unquote erased again from continuity. I could see them taking him off the table, um, in some form or fashion. See, I think that Tomasi is going to be taking over Teen Titans, and that John's going to be a part of that. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He could go somewhere else for a while, much like Snyder didn't use Damien very much. You know. Right. Yeah. For some reason, it feels different with John not being with Clark than Damien not being with Bruce. But I agree with you. Um, any other thoughts on the uh, on the crossover? Um, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. It's the solicits don't really give a lot. No, they they tease a couple of things. I think uh, to... Rogalzar is the worst name ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That but doesn't that sound like a, a bad Superman villain? Yeah. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is, it's to me, it's one thing to see all their names listed. It's another thing to see the the art team, like the art talent, lined up like this, with Reyes followed by Shaner, followed by Sook, followed by McGuire, followed by Hughes, followed by Faybach. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a murderer's row of DC talent right now. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, oh man, yeah. Sook is just back. Is he good again? Oh, he's always been good, but. I know, I know. So, uh, Brian, playing off of your expectations for, um, what Bendis' story is going to be, is Rogal Zar Superman's long lost brother? Yes. Yep. Older brother. Remember, he has to be older. That's important. Uh, sure. Yep. Clark stole his birthright. Well, um, an anagram of Rogalzar is La Laser Go. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you? Yeah. So, or a Razor Log. There you go. A Razor Log. Oh. It fits on your back. It's great for a snack. A razor log. <laughs> it's big. It's heavy. It's wood. <laughs> it's better than bad. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's better than uh, bad. It's Bendis. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, we also want to talk about the solicits having two um, issues with the designator of special. One is Teen Titans special number one, written by Adam Glass, the returning champion. Uh, illustrated by Robson Roca and others, and also a Titan special number one written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Paul Pelletier and others. So um, the the Teen Titan special specifically mentions Robin, Kid Flash, and Red Arrow as being like the centerpiece of, I guess, this new Teen Titans team, which I'm I'm pretty cool with that as a, as a trio to build around. And then the Titans special talks about how Nightwing reassembles the Titans with a mix of old blood and new. And the cover gives nothing away for this. The cover is essentially uh, Dick standing with Diana and Bruce and Clark. And then in the background, there are 
like silhouettes of his former Titans teammates, but it doesn't give any indication as to who the new Titans are going to be. Um, do you guys see Adam Glass and Dan Abnett as being the writers of these new series, or are they just the ones to connect it to something new? I hope they're not, but it seems really weird for them to to just do these specials with two random creative teams. Abnett's not really random because he's on Titans now, but right, he could be he could be wrapping up his run exactly. But Adam Glass just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, action, action comics though, and Superman th- those specials have some odd creative teams on them too. So well, but those seem more those like are backups. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, what I what I was gonna say is, and we might have talked about this last time. Adam Glass tweeted, "Like, hey, thanks DC for bringing me back for the Teen Titans special." He did not make it sound like he was going to be doing the Teen Titans book going forward. And the only reason I could think of for having somebody other than the incoming writer write this is just that that incoming writer is either not legally allowed to write for DC yet like it's a situation where and and this is I'm not predicting this but like if Hickman was the new writer of Teen Titans <laughs> and and he couldn't officially like start until X date and they needed to fill in until he was ready they obviously call Adam Glass well yeah I mean what better what better rope dope there is there <laughs> You think you're getting Adam Glass, and then all of a sudden, boom, here comes Hickman. Who's not Hickman, but who would you think of second? Oh, Adam Glass. You mean the architect of the New 52 Suicide Squad? (laughs) Uh, Just kidding, Adam. I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's a fan of the show. Um, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, the... uh, I guess I'm glad that Teen Titans and Titans are getting a bit of a tune-up, although I think that Teen Titans has been quite good as of late. Um, Titans seems like it's it's in need of something new. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we've talked about in the past with Justice League, I think is also true of Titans here, which is that it's fine to, to have a, create, a, a lineup of a team that feels classic, but after a while, you begin to either be able to predict whatever's happening because it's the same six or seven people it's been for a couple of years slash like in this case, these Titans have been together for a very, very long time, you know, in, in the past. And I think with justice league, same thing, like, you know, it's nice to see the new justice league lineup of having, you know, Hawk girl and Martian Manhunter and all that. Cause it's going back to something classic we haven't seen in a while. So I feel like for Titans, they, they needed that kind of a shakeup. And for teen Titans, I think things have been very good but I'm kind of w- ready to see like the Beast Boys and Ravens and those characters not be called Teen Titans anymore and be called something else and let some of the, the true teenagers in the DCU be in the spotlight. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, I've rendered you speechless. I've done my job. Um... 
What else do you want to talk about, boys, in this in the solicits? Um, Batgirl is sans Hope Larson. Yeah, hopefully that's a one-time thing. Yeah. Um, and if she's not writing Batgirl anymore, hopefully she sticks around and hopefully... Or hopefully if she doesn't, it wasn't on bad terms or anything like that. I always... I, I'm always, like, gun-shy now whenever somebody leaves a book uh, with no, like, clear path to another book because I always think, like, oh, what the fuck did DC do to to mess this up, you know? Right. <laughs> but uh, hopefully everything was good because her, her Batgirl run was tremendous. Uh, Absolutely. I think. Yeah, there were a couple other things. Uh, we didn't talk about how Tim Seeley is writing five one-shots <laughs> leading up to the... Uh, um, the bat cat wedding. Yeah. Um, we're gonna have to read those, aren't we? We are. We probably will want to because the art teams are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> they yeah, are it's, good. It's Celia and Brad Walker, Celia and Travis Moore, Celia and Minky Young, Celia and Javi Fernandez, and Celia and uh, Sammy Bosri. Um. Just scrolling through the solicits, how the fuck is Jurgen still writing Batman Beyond? <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. There are a couple of things I wanted to touch on briefly here. Um, all of a sudden, Shade the Changing Woman is a six-part miniseries. Oh, I didn't notice that. Fuck. That is that true of the other books, too? No, it's not. I checked. Okay. Uh, the big one we haven't talked about is Brian Hill and Miguel Mendonca coming on Detective Comics for a five-issue arc with Black Lightning stopping by. Mm-hmm. And I love the, th- the the sort of plot behind it where Bruce wants Duke and Cass to get trained to potentially be, be better sidekicks. And so he brings in Jefferson Pierce, who is a high school teacher, to work with these young students. I think that's a pretty great concept. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Uh, I like Brian Hill. I like uh I like Michael Cray. I I would love to see like that similar He has a very economical approach to writing that um that I really like. Uh and yeah, I'm 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 excited to see what he does on tech. Zach, what do you think about that assignment? I think it's fine. You know, I don't really care much for Michael Cray, but maybe this will be good. Did you read Postal? No, I didn't. Neither have I, but I've heard very good things about it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see some fresh blood on that. And I think it's interesting that DC is splitting up its major runs on Detective with someone like Brian Hill in the middle. I think that's a very smart way to do it. So you're not going from one, you know, sort of uh, iconic run into what you hope is another one. There's a nice bit of space there. Um, yeah, Flash War happening. Uh, we should mention that uh, on Twitter the other day, Robert Venditti confirmed that Hal Jordan number 50 is his final issue on the book. Uh, that should be coming out in uh, the first half of August, number 50. Mm. Do we think, ooh, that could be the final... Think that's the final issue of the book? It could be. 
Um, we also have Christopher Sabella on Harley Quinn, which is fun. Um, the 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 Batman who laughs returns in uh, the Immortal Men number three. Because of course. Because of course. Uh, Zach and Vince think that the uh, that new Superman and the Justice League of China is wrapping up, and the solicit certainly makes it sound like that, uh, which is a bummer and a half. Yeah, that's when that goes. That's going to be like a dagger through my heart. Oh, you were right about that. I we have to uh, we have to admit we were wrong with it. Oh, I was I was a. Uh... Yeah, I love that book. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, Sideways number five is solicited no longer to Dan DiDio, but just to Justin Jordan. With Wait, what Robert the fuck? <laughs> what happened to me? Gotta make room for Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, I will say that Victor Bogdanovic is on the silencer as of number six. Yeah. Yep. I think he's been on there previously. Has he? I'm pretty sure. Let me. Uh, show us how much pretty, I sure, pretty sure it was right after. I think it was with issue four. I think so. Yeah. Okay. He. I think he was always slated to be the second one, and I think we always knew that. Yep. Uh, JRJR was getting two issues. He's got to go do that uh, Frank Miller book. And kick ass. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Uh, let's see what else. This is compelling radio, I'm aware. Um, yes, yeah, so I noticed, I said, Shade the Changing Woman is, uh, now one of six. Mm. Hopefully that was just a misprint of some sort. I doubt it. We'll see. Uh, Superman Blue, yes, volume one. That's an odd book to collect. Um, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> yeah, have you ever read that stuff, Zach? No, I really w- have always wanted to, but it's kind of... It's it's not all been on Comixology, I don't think. I don't think, and it, it's kind of... It's a weird era of Superman comics that... I don't know, I, I've tried to find lists before that kind of have a reading order but it i even i don't know even though it has the the triangles and stuff it i've still always found it kind of obtuse and also i'm not going to try to like track down all those back issues so this is this is kind of perfect the nice thing about this uh arc is that it's way shorter than you think it would be Uh uh-huh like it's only let's see here three six nine it's like a it's like a thirteen issue arc over four weekly books, so it it basically took up like a month and a half or two months of because uh, there's a couple annuals in there too. That's that's pretty that's pretty short considering how everybody knows that costume. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't that long of a of a thing, um, but yeah, that's gonna be fun. There's some if, I don't. We can finish up actual books because there are there are actually a few more um, like collection things that I'm a little ex- that I'm pretty excited about. Well, lay it on us, bud. Um, we are getting um, 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got derailed. I think that Shade the Changing Woman thing probably is a... Well, I don't know. I wondered if it was like just a miscopy from the Eternity Girl thing, but... Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm kind of worried about that. But um, anyway, um, Orion by Walt Simonson, collection, volume one. Um, Thrill Killer is being recollected. Um, DC Universe by Mike Magnolia, which may have already been a hardcover before. I see this as a trade I paperback. I believe it was, yeah. Okay, I guess I just missed that. Um, but yeah. I'm excited for all of those things. Vince, anything else to talk about before we wrap this section up? Nope. All right, well, let's take a break, and we'll be back in just a minute with more DC Freecast. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back to talk about the books that were released this week. So first up is Aquaman, number 34, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Kelly Jones. And this is a Wrath-centric issue, giving us uh, a bit of an insight into Aquaman's foe for the uh, for this past, you know, this past arc or so. Um, I know we've been pretty down on Kelly Jones and he's popped up in Rebirth thus far. But I thought this issue really served his talents pretty well. What'd you guys think? Yeah, you know me, I'm not a huge Kelly Jones fan. Um, but I really liked this. Um, yeah, I thought this suited him really well, but I I wasn't crazy about it. I mean, it, it's... It's one of those issues that feels like, okay, they know they have to, uh, they're a month behind, how do we fill this space? Oh, let's, let's give an issue from the, uh, from the villain's perspective, even if there's not all that much to say there. Yeah. I I thought it was a fairly standard, it kind of gave you the motivations of these bad guys, uh, was it Cadaver? Was that the one? Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. C- C- Cadaver and uh, and Coram Wrath showing, you know, kind of their similarities and their past going back. And, of course, they had bad dads, you know, because <laughs> like, that's the DC, you know, DC Villains Month. It's all a bunch of bad dads. Um, DC and Rick Remender present yeah. <laughs> bad dads. <laughs> I'm telling you, when... when... He comes on to do his DC Black Label book, Bad Dads of the DCU. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, aside from the fact that it didn't didn't really break any new ground or anything, I thought this was a pretty, you know, it was a conventional villain story well told, I thought. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't have any anything really much more to add than that. You know, I think that there is very little about Wrath that I learned here that informs my understanding of the character all that much more, but it was fine. And like I said, I think Kelly Jones was able to to sort of play to his strengths in this issue. You know, I know we had we've been pretty down on was it a JLA issue he did? Oh, I liked that issue. But yeah, yeah, he did he did that Lobo annual issue, which was great. But had I remember Vince in particular being very, very down on the art. Yeah, Vince Vince didn't like it. I'm just not a Kelly Jones guy. Like I get I I get it, but uh Yeah. It's just it's not right. for me. You know, our, our nice friend Greg Matasevich sent you nice things in the mail, and you're going to insult uh, Kelly Jones, and that's cool. Greg loves Kelly Jones. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I understand it. Like I said, I thought this was a, a good use of his talents, and I feel like it played to his strengths without letting him get too over the top, which is when his his work starts to fall off for me. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the masterpiece that was Batman Forty Three, written <laughs> by Tom King, illustrated by Michael Janine. I'll let you um, guys go first. I hated this issue. I hated this issue less than I've hated the last few, but I didn't not hate it. <laughs> it was unnecessarily obtuse. <laughs> Get into that, Zach. I mean, I don't... It's just... I I just... I don't actually know what happened. I mean, I get it, sort of, but I don't get it. If that makes sense. From what I gather, Bruce, by using his fingers convinced Harley Quinn that she and uh, Ivy are a couple, which I'm pretty sure they already knew. Well, and... Harley is back in the DCU now, so... <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, just by putting his fingers together, he she she remembered that, yes, oh, they are a couple. And then, I guess, you know, she was supposed to be upset because she had killed these people, but it turns out Psych... The Riddler killed those people, and now she's okay? Yes. What you said is, I think, what happened. (laughs) And the way you said it sort of made some sense. Maybe. (laughs) But... Batman has a machine in the Batmobile that puts his pants on for him. <laughs> I, mean, I think we all knew that, but I do appreciate King making that canon. The Batman mobile. <laughs> okay, so, so I, 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 I kind of like this. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> so, remember what I said uh, two weeks ago about how Whatever, whatever. Term- oh, wait, 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 wait! Stop, 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 stop! Yeah. Didn't you say? I'm trying to get word this right. 
I love it when Bruce flips out of a window and carries someone and lands at, at a hospital awning. That's exactly what I said. That's and then they did it. And I, well, yeah. he went me over. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> no, uh, what I said last time was that whatever this turn, whatever involving Harley Quinn is going to do, whatever turn is coming is going to be really disappointing because that's what Tom King's Batman has been for me. And I was wrong because I think what I was thinking was that he would play upon like he would do like the the hyper sanity thing with the Joker. He would be like, oh, well, Harley is like so insane that she's too sane to be uh, controlled by Ivy, you know, and for, for whatever reason, I guess, because I don't because DC hasn't highlighted it as much lately. I didn't expect the romantic angle between Harley and, and Ivy. And that was like a totally believable turn for me. And one that's really satisfying. It's satisfying to see those two characters paired up. Um, because to, to not do that is regressing on, on material that DC's already long established. You know, those two should be partners, you know? And, um, so I, I found that really satisfying, and I don't know, like, yeah, the stuff with the Riddler was stupid, like, but they had to figure out a way to make Ivy be redeemable, you know, and I guess that's one way to do it, but like... Or they, you know, could have just not done it in the first place. Well, right, but 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 keeping in mind that I absolutely hated the War of Jokes and Riddles, that's, you know, this is a separate... It's it's almost as if Tom King is undoing the work of another much worse writer, but it's also him. <laughs> you know, uh, he has woken up, realized he was blackout drunk, and fucked some stuff up, and is now going around fixing the stuff he did while he was drunk. He's woke now. Yeah. Um. Uh, meet the dapper woke CIA former CIA agent who. Uh, is writing Batman now. No, I don't know. And then, like, this issue made me laugh a few times with the pants thing. And, yes, I did laugh at Bruce flipping out of the window, breaking a hospital window to do this, you know? And, yeah. and like, I don't know. Like, I didn't love it, but I, I liked it. I Maybe I'm just in a good mood this week. <laughs> Poison, Ivy well. eat, Poison Ivy eats a fly. <laughs> That's a thing that she does now, I guess. I... You're just excited at the prospect of seeing the president's pud. <laughs> it's really got me thinking that we're all going to be fine no matter what happens. <laughs> yeah. Just like just like Bruce says at the end here, we're going to be fine. Yeah. I actually want to talk about the ending for a second. I feel like the ending is a really good encapsulation of why I don't like Tom King's Batman. I feel like the moments between Bruce and Selene, like after all of this happens, I want them to have more tender moments than they have. I feel like I still don't buy their romance because their ideas of romance are just calling each other bat and cat and talking in circles. Mm. And so I feel like this could have been a moment for them to really like exhale after this incredibly stressful thing that happened and I just don't feel any of that because I don't think King knows how to write them being in love. Versus, you know, I think in Mr. Miracle, 
even though Scott and Barda are not exactly writing each other sonnets every week, I feel like I buy that relationship so much more. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, something you have to remember, though, is that Batman is ordinarily Valsel, and so um, <laughs> he doesn't know how to fuck. He doesn't. He doesn't know how to love Catwoman. So I'm reading that all as intentional. He he moves around as he moves around like a like. Imagine if Don Draper didn't know how to fuck. <laughs> so, like young boy speaking to a hobo, Don Draper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Who understands the concept of fucking because his mom does it for a living, but doesn't really know how it works. Okay. Um. Yeah. I guess I, I kind of lost that. you there, but all right. You're the one who introduced the concept of Don Draper who doesn't fuck. That's, that's like saying, that's like saying, I don't know, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a reference that you'll appreciate. Like an Aaron Rodgers who doesn't know how to throw a football. <laughs> like, Don Draper not fucking means it's not Don Draper. That's fair. Sure. Okay. Anyway, this book is garbage. I'm sorry, Vince, you've been brainwashed. <laughs> it's just, no, I think overall it is garbage, but, you know... I, I have to say, like, this issue didn't end as horribly as I thought it would. Um, yeah, I don't like this book by any means, but I kind of like this issue a little bit. I don't know. Sorry. God damn okay. it. Let's no, just no. move on. No, fuck you're me. like No, fuck off. Let's move on. Wow. We're, we'll do it live. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's do it live and talk about Batwoman number 13. Written by Marguerite Bennett, illustrated by Fernando Blanco. This is the beginning of the fall of the House of Cain, which I feel like is a storyline we've been hearing about for a while, but we're finally getting it. And uh, was it weird to anybody else how there were the same sort of like distortion glitches in the first few pages of this that there are in Mr. Miracle? Mm, I didn't even notice that. I did read this, though. Um, wow, yeah, you're right. There are. Well, I usually skip this book. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, I, I skipped the last arc. I didn't care for it. Um, yeah, you're right. That's interesting. I still don't care for this book. Vince, what'd you think? I... Book of the year? What? Book of the year? Book of the year? No. <laughs> No, it's fine though. I think I think the real shame was how much time was spent on stuff that's not this. Like this could have been in the first arc, you know? Yes. Bringing back Alice or or Betty um Well, we had to get there. Yeah, it's just that that first we, arc was so ponderous. Well, well uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, I just like, I don't, we're still dealing with this lost year business. That's all this book has been. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But here's the th Like, I think, I think it's just starting to get good. And in some books, some books where there's a slow burn, like there's a payoff then. And I don't, I don't think there's any payoff here. This isn't paying off on stuff we've already seen. I just think that stuff that we've already seen should have been a lot shorter. And I think this right now is pretty good to me. 
Like, I'm invested in all this stuff despite not caring for the first eight issues or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, I like, will say I, this. I'm, okay, go ahead. Uh, this this issue in particular did something I thought was pretty clever, even though it's been sort of a subtext there for a while, but the fact that Julia basically says to her, like, you're a soldier, you're not a detective. You're not good at solving things. I think that's actually a really interesting point to bring about Kate. That's mm-hmm. a way to distinguish her from the other members of the Bat family. And again, it's not a new development. We all knew that she was the soldier of the bunch, but I just felt like the way it was stated in this issue was a really nice, concise way to kind of talk about her character. I wish this whole book had just been set in the colony future. <laughs> well, that yeah. that's the other problem with this book, is that there is so much better Batwoman stuff happening in Detective. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't want to relegate this book to just companion status, but I kind of wish this had just been a, a companion book to Detective. I think I would have liked it better. I kind of thought that's what it was going to be. Yeah. You know, that detective uh, soldier thing is, is it, that would be an interesting way to see. Like, we got to get Renee Montoya back and get those two together. One of them's the soldier, then Renee's the detective. Man, what if Detective Comics was Kate and Renee? <laughs> it should be. Damn it, that's what I'm that's what I'm calling for right now. It should be. It should be. She can be the muscle, Renee's the the gumshoe. The Listen up gumshoes. <laughs> <laughs> Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Any version of the question. <laughs> that this <laughs> Doomsday Clock, right? Yep. <sighs> I forgot that was a thing for like twelve hours today. That's sad. We, we we read that next week. That's that's for the show next week. Yeah, it is. So I'm told. That and the conclusion to metal. Yeah. Big week. Big week. Anything else to say about Batwoman? No. Do we think this book's going to wrap after this arc? Or does it keep going? I I didn't actually check the solicit. I don't know if where, it, where it's... Um, it, it feels like it's moving to a conclusion. Yeah, but I feel like there was such a big deal made of when this book launched of DC launching a, a queer character in a solo series mm-hmm. that there it make and I, I don't say this from a place of cynicism I think it's really smart that they keep a queer character in the spotlight of a book and so I think this book will run longer than perhaps its plot at the, its current plotting would suggest because of that positive uh representation issue That's fair All right, let's move on to Cave Carson has an interstellar eye. 
number one, written by John Rivera, illustrated by Michael Avon Oming. I believe, um, I don't think Gerard Way is even plotting this anymore, is he? Mm-mm, doesn't he's, look like he's it. not listed, no. Um, this issue essentially gives us Space David Bowie. <laughs> or Freddie Mercury, or Prince, I guess. Yeah, or, I or was, all of them. Yeah, I I got major Prince vibes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's good whoever it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I um, I really enjoyed this issue for the most part. I I think it was a fun new way to do Cave Carson after the last you know twelve issues of doing it sort of with Cave, um, you know going through the multiverse to have him now going through space is, is a fun, a fun reinvention of the character. And, uh, I loved the backup for this, but we'll get to that in a little bit. What'd you guys think of the main issue here? I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was very funny. It's got a very understated sense of humor, you know, Uh, a character will say something very dry and funny and like nobody will react to it. Um, which is a style of humor that I really like. And I think it works well in a comic book. You just kind of move on, you know, something absurd happens or somebody says something absurd and they just kind of move on. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, he's Morris day. That's who he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, oh. Uh, yep. Yep. Man, you don't know the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cock knocker. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, Zach, what do you think? I thought this was just okay. <laughs> Man, I, I guess I was just in a really good mood this week. No, I thought it was good. I thought it was fine, but I don't know. It didn't do much for me. At least the oh, the main story. I did like the backup a lot. Yeah, Cave Carson has a educational podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so do we. Yeah, it's exactly. true. It's true. We should try and get Cave on the show. That's what it is. I just need my, my comics to be more relatable. <laughs> I can't I can't get this interstellar nonsense, but podcast, I get that. I enjoyed the joke about shipping. Yes, that was good. In the uh in the backup as well. Mm-hmm. Very um, good. I did want to note something, and I don't know if this is... I don't think this is intentional. I think it's just the way that the lighting was in this issue. Was it just me, or did it seem that um, Chloe looked considerably darker-skinned in this issue? Um, I thought she always kind of had... If you look at her in the backup versus her in the main story, she's like she's considerably lighter in the backup. Again, it, it doesn't. I, I don't think it matters at all. It, it just, it just struck me. I don't know. I've always thought she kind of had darker skin, like even in the last volume. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that's true. I think in the backup, she's too light. Yeah. Okay. Which... That could be it then. I only noticed it with the contrast between the two. You know. Right. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, no. I thought this was a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm on board with this book. I did miss Wild Dog. But you know, such is life. Yeah, they kind of you know they kind of made that a point in the in the um, 
in the issue itself to talk about like the people that Cave is kind of losing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that that included Wild Dog. I don't think he mentioned that, but just in the just in the shipping com- comment. Yeah, right. Hello. Well, hello. You said you wanted me on the show. This is Cave. Cave Carson. Hi, Cave. Hi, Brian. Oh, you know who I am. Yes, I'm a big fan. Well, it's why, remarkable why... How, how you sound just like Vince and how and how you didn't put any effort into sounding not like Vince. <laughs> you would think coming on our show you'd want to distinguish your voice from one of our co-hosts. Well, I think I have a, a, quite a bit of a, a different voice from Vince. Mine's more of a radio voice. Because you have an an upper inflection at the end of every sentence? <laughs> Comedy well, bang, thanks for calling in, Cave. Comedy bang bang, we are not. <laughs> thanks a lot, you asshole. <laughs> that totally was unscripted, of, guys. Totally unscripted. Yeah, that was kind of my scuba Steve, actually. Why, sure. Uh, I could see that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, thanks for playing a lie. I tried for a minute, but then I was getting distracted by how how much like Vince you sounded. So. Uh, I should have done the thing where 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 like me as Vince says like I have to oh I have to go check on something exactly yeah. <laughs> yes the old that Clark would, Kent thing that would have sold it a lot better that would have um. <laughs> Let's talk about damage, guys. Oh, it's so damaged. The last issue with Tony Daniel. Farewell. Good night, sweet prince. Yes. Uh, you came, you saw, your comic made almost no impact on anyone at all. <laughs> uh, this was nominally written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Tony <laughs> Daniel. Has there ever been three issues of a comic that did less than these three issues? Probably somewhere, maybe. I don't know. Asriel had a hundred issues, so some <laughs> somewhere in there, there had to have been less than this. I don't know, man. Like honestly, what did any? Tell me what happened in issue two or three. That was different than what happened in issue one. Um, Aside from the lasso of truth showing him that he is truly a monster. Tell me what's going on on page eight of our PDF with Wonder Woman there. Right, let me let me let me get to the bottom of this. All right. Um, what kind of what kind of like pose or what move is she making right there? Oh, that's not that unnatural. She's like mid thriller dance there. <laughs> That's the least egregious thing in this in this issue. <laughs> okay. Squeeze harder if you wish to crush this throat. I, I say basically that. all of Wonder Woman's dialogue is the worst in this issue. Yeah, that's what I say when I pound my meat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, 
You aren't a creature. You're a man. That's what I say when I pound my meat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, uh, yeah, this, who's this team that shows up at the very end? Oh, that's a great question. No idea. (laughs) That has, it has like two Tom Hardy's on it and, uh. That guy with the metal eye looks familiar. He's from something. I need you to tell me. I feel like he's from like a uh, every 90s image book. Well, I was going to say like these characters these look like Wildstorm characters. Yeah. The New Age of Heroes is just Wildstorm 2 Electric Boogaloo, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I can't believe Batman's getting involved. That's that's unusual. It's it is. It is strange. I'm I'm as surprised as you all are. Yeah, <laughs> it's just really weird to see a crossover with Batman happen mm-hmm. in this in this day and age. It's especially weird because the Suicide Squad is also in this issue. Oh. And usually those characters stay far away from each other. Yes. Who's you... next? The freaking Joker? No. Um, this is a garbage comic? There you go. Yeah, it, it's almost too slight to be garbage. <laughs> something, something... I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so little happens in this ish- in these three issues that it can be hard to hate this book. Like, I hate Batman. I don't hate this because you don't hate nothing. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just it, it's it's very nothing to me. Well, it's the that's what makes Batman such a good book to talk about is that it's. You can find interesting things to talk about and interesting ways to really dislike it. <laughs> and there's nothing there's nothing here with damage to really dig into. Like it's it's so far three issues. It's been like a three issue brawl, right? Yeah. With various characters stepping in and taking on damage. And if you're really in if you're really into Tony Daniel and you love uh books that are like just fights with very little dialogue, then, you know, maybe you would like this book. But even then, there's nothing like, there's no greater propulsion or arc going on. Like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like Damage, despite running into all these DCU characters, is really a legitimate part of the universe, you know? Right. I I want to say one of us called this initiative at one point the New Bloodlines. I think that like, was you. <laughs> Like from the nineties, and and I feel like that is very much on pace so far. Where Bloodlines attempted to introduce these new characters that were going to be interesting additions to the DC universe, but they just felt like these like weird interlopers into stories that they didn't really belong in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just uh, I I don't understand what the point of this book is. Mm. 
no idea. <laughs> All right, well let's let's move on to uh, to Green Lanterns. Speaking of bloodlines, bloodline zone V Ken Marion on art, along with Tim Seeley on script for this forty third issue of Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, this wraps up the um, the superhuman trafficking arc. We get a little bit of resolution with various, uh, you know, with various characters. I don't know about you guys. I felt that this issue was probably the least interesting of this arc so far, and I've enjoyed this arc, but this issue was my least favorite of the arc. What do you guys think? Yeah, I feel like this arc um, started off extremely... It was very promising, and then just had a downward trajectory the, the entire time. Mr. Goodmood, what'd you think? Yeah, I more I more or less agree, but I did like one thing that it did at the very end um, that I thought was kind of subtle, which was the, the the whole thing with between Simon and Jess and the um, the app and them having mm-hmm. you find out that si- that Simon actually got her as a match in the app, and one of the things that people were worried about at the start of this arc was that. Um, you know, oh, we don't. Why pair up Simon and Jess? That's just, um, you know, pigeonholing these two characters or something like that. You know, um, or it's something that couldn't possibly last. You know, and and it's it's only there to create you know this weird conflict. But I thought, if I'm reading it right, I thought it was a really subtle handling of that because, you know, they have this talk. Uh, at the end, kind of a heart to heart, and Jess ends up telling him that that he that she got Nightwing, you know, and then he says, "Oh, that's funny because I got you," and he says that like as he's flying off, and you don't, I don't get the sense, and I could be wrong, I don't get the sense that Jess is sitting there sad because she couldn't tell him that she got him or that she wants to be in a relationship with him or vice versa. But just that she realizes that like right now, Simon is her best friend and they have a strong connection and, and, and hopefully like personally, I hope that that never becomes romantic or anything, you know, but that that's an interesting sort of interplay there that Seely's playing with that I think is, is I, I hope it's as subtle and measured as I read it as, you know, I thought that part was really well done. Do you guys agree or? Yeah, I, I think it would be hard for them to pull off a romance between these two characters right now and not make it seem extremely forced. Yeah. But I, I like that there's a recognition of some sort of bond there, you know, yeah, and and we've seen that grow. Like I, I feel like this is one of the relationships over the course of Rebirth that's has legitimately grown due to the work that was put in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did kind of like that little beat at the end. But I agree with you guys. I think the arc was, you know, started off interesting and it got less interesting as we went along. It was probably um, an issue too long. Yeah, it's and, probably uh, one. 
the Ken Marion issue too long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is this the last time we see a non-Kyle Rayner cast member of the Omega Men? Uh, no. Probably not. Um, man, I just... I'm so tired of the Green Lantern books at this point. <laughs> they can't do much to please you, huh? They do nothing to please me. <laughs> please, please, Zach. Oh, yeah. Please. Like he pleases you. Yes. I, but I I, I I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but aren't I think the Green Lantern books are just the most egregiously disappointing section of the DCU right now, even more so than... Weird New Age of Heroes, even more so than Suicide Squad, even more so than than Batman. It's just, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, because it because it's like even when these books, even when they get good creative teams, even when they're they're trying, even when it feels like they're trying, it still feels like the product is disappointing to me. I agree, and I think you know I've been asking. I've been asking for various things over the years from the Green Lantern books, and actually at times they've been giving them to me, and I'm still, like, they're still not quite right. You know, like, I think during the, towards the end of the Johns Tomasi stuff, I was kind of sick of every arc being like this. It seemed like every arc was a big space battle with a lot of splash pages of all the different Lantern teams fighting. And it was always over some secret aspect of the Green Lantern history that we didn't know about or was expanded upon. And that just seemed like that over and over again. And I wanted to get away from that. And I wanted to go back to Earth. And and for a while, Green Lanterns did that. And I still wasn't happy, you know? <laughs> so it's like there's nothing they can do right now some, somehow to please me until they completely overhaul the fo- I think the focus needs to change. I think I've been talking on Twitter about like what's not working for me. And I think part of it to me is that like Hal Jordan, for as much as I loved Green Lantern Rebirth, like the original one that brought Hal back, and for as much work as I think Johns did to sort of build up his character and, and make him interesting for a little while, I think he's just a boring character that they're not – really doing anything like he's the focus of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. They're not really doing anything with him. They're not doing any character work with him. You know, um, I feel like it's time for like John, you know, who's joining the justice league. Apparently I feel like it's time for him. It's time for Kyle. It's time for some new lanterns, you know, like, well, we have two new lanterns that are, Really, I know, uh... <laughs> I know, but like, I know, but like, spinning out of the Green Lantern core, you know, like, I feel yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a really obvious answer we're ignoring to this. Frank Leminski. <laughs> oh, bring back the Leminski. Yeah, you bring back the Leminski three cast. Yeah. Um, the Leminsk three. No, but like, I, I, I felt I, we've said this before on the show too, but I feel like before the new Fifty Two. The, the Green Lantern core was kind of being built up with all these new characters, or at least, like, side characters that were getting featured yeah. more and more. And I'm extending that out to, like, the different Lantern Corps. You know, like, Saint Walker and... Um, 
where, like, where have the sapphires been? You know, um, isn't it? Isn't the star sapphire popping up someplace soon? Am I making that up? Mm, I don't know. Isn't it? Isn't it in Wonder Woman? Maybe. Is it? Is it? I don't know. I just I want. S- yeah. Keep talking. Let me look it up. I was just gonna. I I just want like the the focus on the the regular lanterns that we've been reading stories about for decades is just not working for me lately. And uh, yeah, uh, star sapphires are part of the uh, the Dark Gods arc in Wonder Woman that starts oh, in great. May. James Robinson going to take over Green Lantern too? At one time, that would have been my cream dream. <laughs> uh, I just want to hear you say cream dream again. <laughs> That's a tenacious deism. Cream dream. Cock push-ups. <laughs> Only needs to do one, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think we're all ready for for something new with the Green Lanterns. Uh, moving on to Justice League number forty one, written by Priest, illustrated by Philippe Briones. So Zach, why didn't you like this issue? <laughs> um, because Superman was a huge dick. Yeah, he was a dick. He was a dick. This was like, um, this was like the aloof god Superman. Yeah. Um, which is also part of the reason I didn't like the last issue. Yeah. Superman's really racist in this. (laughs) Not Barry, who Cyborg thinks is being racist. Barry's just a well-intentioned but culturally unwoke white dude in this. Um, Superman is just an actual racist. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say he's an actual racist, but he's pretty close. Oh, he is. No, he's like one of those. He's like a very, um, Richard Spencer is what you're trying to say. He's... No, he's not quite Richard Spencer. He's maybe like a Richard Spencer who hasn't like fully developed his ideology yet and still thinks he's a good person. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe. The other night I was having to Alaska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I mistakenly called Academy Award nominee Richard Jenkins Richard Spencer. Oh no, that yeah. poor man! Not not to his face, to my wife. <laughs> my wife. My wife. My, wife. Yeah. my Jenkins. I wasn't like, hey, Richard Spencer, great job in Six Feet Under. You know? <laughs> I wish he was Six Feet Under. Woo! Wow! Sound the alarm. <laughs> Um, that is said in humor and is is not at all serious. <laughs> there we go. The international sign for not serious. Sorry, sorry, Zach. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know. Tell me why you guys did like this and why this is great. It wasn't great. No, this is probably my least favorite priest issue so far. Really? Because this is I I actually kind of sort of liked this one because it had Deathstroke stuff in it. Uh, yeah. Although I did hate the bit at the beginning with the Green Lanterns. 
talking about light speed and time travel because it tried to explain something with something completely nonsensical. <laughs> it's like, oh, are we going to fix it? It's yeah. okay. I do really enjoy the ongoing debate about Superman and and uh, Simon getting lunch. Ah, uh, see, I'm tired of that too. That seems like such a Larry David thing to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm pro that. Um, what do you mean by lunch, Jack? Yeah, exactly. Who has lunch? Who even eats lunch these days? It's gonna take a lot to get me out for lunch. Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. Do I, I got to change out of sweatpants or what? Um, you know what would make this arc a whole lot better? Some Seinfeld music. <laughs> that would, yes. If it, if when you opened the PDF or the, your comicsology or even the book, if it had like one of those greeting card things where, yeah. you know, and was the Seinfeld theme, but also if the fan was just Frank Leminski, that would make this so much better. <laughs> that is true. Remember that when Mar- is... remember when Marvel was going to do sound effects and music in their uh, comics? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like, they did it basically... for like two stories, I think. Yeah, that... and it was only in Marvel Unlimited. Yep. Now, Zach, to answer your question of, of sort of why I like this issue, I feel like. If you if you can put aside the Superman being a dick for a second, and I totally understand why some people, myself included, is not as easy as just putting that aside. But I feel like this is an issue that sort of grapples with the idea of what the Justice League's jurisdiction is and what their role in the world at large is, and if are they are they to interfere when the sovereign leaders of nations say they shouldn't. And I don't think it was handled as nuanced as perhaps we're used to from Priest, nor do I think it's the best version of that story, but it's a story where I don't think we get told enough by DC. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know what I think is really weird? This This story, like, feels like very much the lead up to some kind of um, big status quo change. You know, something something's going to happen along the lines that you're you're talking about. Some kind of big controversial moment that will spark a new Justice League volume. Mm-hmm. But we actually have no justice coming up. That is the spark for the new Justice League volume, and it makes me wonder what effect, if any, this this is going to have on things. That's a good question. And we have no answers. It's true. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> Speaking of no answers, let's talk about Nightwing number 41. <laughs> Sam Humphreys, illustrated by Bernard Chang. This is... Uh, this is... This is real... This issue, like... It has some like fanfare attached to it, as if this were like something that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like it ends with this like, 
Well, that that was a trying time in Nightwing's life, and truly, it was a wing of night. <laughs> the Untouchable, Chapter Seven, Final Judgment. That sounds like a um, third-rate uh, Jason Statham movie or something. Yeah, this was really nothing. I don't get the judge was never like a credible he was just a goofy asshole, right? Like with magic casino chips. <laughs> oh brother. Better luck on Harley Quinn, Sam. <laughs> so the rumor goes. Yeah, so that's right. The I... rumor goes. Oh boy. Uh yeah. All right, well let's let's talk about Super Sons number fourteen, written by Pete Tomasi, illustrated by Carlo Barberi. We get uh, Damien and John and their moms. This was very good. It was. Yeah, this book continues to be a delight. Um, from John being on the phone with Lois trying to extend the call until Damien can locate her to showing up. I love the, the little art bit by Carlo Barberi, uh, where John's like flying in to catch that bullet. Yep. That's, uh, and he's like reflected in the window. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Damien showing up in, in, in Talia's scope to like kick her ass. (laughs) Tomasi just is so good at nailing both of these characters' voices. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Uh, it's super enjoyable. I love every issue of this book, and I think he he just <laughs> the fact that when John wants to stall on the phone, he says, "I learned all the state flowers." Or what did he say? Is it state birds? State flowers? State flowers? Something. Yeah. Do you want to hear? <laughs> Do you want to hear them? <laughs> like, that's perfect. Uh, so perfect. Oh man, it's so good, and and isn't it great that it's never going to end? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, these are the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> uh, Comics oh. don't even make it to the Twenties these days. That's what are true. you talking about? Oh. Herbert Hoover. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. I said Herbert Hoover. I just had to think of an old time thing to say. Thank you. Uh, the uh, I I do kind of like this. How do I put this? So th- there, there's a certain amount of frustration with Damian Wayne because his character is always seemingly going to be torn between his upbringing, and what he chooses to be. Damien is one of the few characters, I feel like in comics, who has truly chosen his own path. And the path was not chosen for him. Uh, and so sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating to kind of see him always... Every inter- every interaction with Talia is her saying, like, are you still my son? Have you gone completely to your father? You should come back. I should finish your training, blah, blah, blah. And that can get a little bit stale. That said... I think that this book does such a good job of finding new ways to have that conversation 
that it doesn't feel as stiff or stodgy as it would have in a different book. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it all again when we get the uh, Damien one shot before Batman's wedding. Oh, boy. Because I believe that story is also like, is Damien going to return and take his place amongst the League of Assassins or something like that? And the answer is no. He will not. Although at some point he totally will. <laughs> but then he won't anymore. But then he... Yeah, exactly. And then he'll die, and it'll be forever. He won't come yeah. back. But then when he does... He'll be bad again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it'll just be a misunderstanding. And... Because it's in the future. <laughs> oh, man. We read a lot a of comics. And he's a clone. He's a clone, yep. Yeah. yep. This is sounding a lot like uh, Superman number 43. <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. all this weird backwards speak. Uh, Which is written... another delight. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, oh, I'm, I'm with Vince. It's good. The the backward speak is not. The issue is good. No, the backward speak is never good. Yeah. It's better um, in this issue than it was in the last one. Agreed. Uh, this is by Tomasi and Gleason. I just want to say up front, we'll talk about the rest of the issue in a minute. I am so fucking here for the Legion of Fun. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, I, I love that Fun is the... The opposite of evil. <laughs> Not good. Right. Fun. Yeah. And the yep. ball pit. <laughs> Fun. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Bibbo's back. And he is certainly good again. He's good again. Oh, yeah. I feel like we have single-handedly... I think we can take credit for Bibbo. Yeah. There, there's, there are certain things we can take credit for, and we were on the Bibbo tip before anybody else came, came back to him, so... Anytime Bibbo shows up, it's you can thank us. Yep. Who who gets credit for Debonair Bizarro Damien? <laughs> John Waters? <laughs> He's got like a John Waters mustache and or yeah. like Gomez Adams thing going on. Whose idea was that? Who was like we're gonna give him a pencil thin mustache? He's supposed to be like, like Zorro, essentially, I think. I get well, yeah, I guess. Because instead of Zorro being the like the cause of Batman's death, I guess he's the inspiration for Robin's life. Not Batman's death, uh, the Wayne's death. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, you're that's right. That's how I took it. Sure. That's a little wilder than Zorro's mustache ever got. I thought though, his mustache. Yeah. They were usually like little, they were like points. They didn't, they didn't curl up into this. Maybe I'm being nitpicky. I mean, last week we did, we did, had to determine who the pedant of the group was. Yeah. Um, and you are arguing with Bizarro World Logic right now. So. I mean, all I'm saying is he looks like a uh, barista in Bizarro Portland. Yeah. He definitely operates a butcher shop in Bizarro Brooklyn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but overall, this issue was fun. The Legion of Fun, in fact. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Tomasi and Gleason almost have their own Young Justice team. 
at this point. They do, yeah. Can we talk about that? I li- I like uh, those two. Oh, excuse me. I like Beacon and um, nobody. And nobody. Yeah. No. Nobody. 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 <laughs> I ain't got nobody. <laughs> bozy, bozy, bop, skinny, bop. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Steven Tyler is that? No, it's David Lee Roth, you asshole. <laughs> oh, I, isn't Steven Tyler the one that does like the scat? No, the, literally David Lee Roth covered "I Ain't Got Nobody" by uh, fucking uh, Louis Prima and uh, oh, by Weezer. In there? by Weezer, by Weezer, Weezer. That's right. Yes, yes, he, he he does he does scat in there. Yeah, Steven Tyler also scats. You're not wrong, but in this instance, I was Diamond Daving. Well, that derailed this fucking show. Okay, <laughs> luckily we only have one more book to talk about, and that's uh, "The Brave and the Bold," number two by Liam Sharp. What even is this book? This book is like every every Gaelic word thrown against a wall, and I understand every fourth one. And then Batman has a dream. <laughs> yeah, I like the. I like the first issue a lot better than this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the. I believe we kind of talked about this a little bit the last time we talked about this, but uh, this issue really felt like Batman got shoehorned into this thing. Also, uh, I hate to say, but Liam Sharp's Batman is approaching some real levels of Ethan Van Skyver Batman, and yeah, yeah. But his Bruce is fucking handsome. Let me here. I'm sending you a look at that. That is a dang handsome Bruce. You couldn't bring him into the movies. He'd be too handsome. No, no snacks allowed. <laughs> oh, good night, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, his Batman looks grotesque. <laughs> See, to me, to me, with Batman, you either have to go like understated or super Sam Keith, mind bending, horrific looking, and he kind of splits the difference, and that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I just want this book to be fifteen percent more more accessible to me. As somebody who doesn't want to read names I don't recognize ten times in a row. <laughs> Vince is just sending us all these great <laughs> Batman shots right now. Um... <laughs> Tell me uh, I'm fine. You're not wrong, but again, this is horrible radio. <laughs> um... I, I I wish I liked this more. Yeah, yeah. I, I just find the, the the story is very inaccessible. There's a, there's a lot of character names that again just are not distinguished enough for me to tell who is who just yet there's a lot of hypothetical things being discussed it's just it's a 
it's it's not a, it's not a very strong book. No, and it's a shame because Liam Sharp is so good. Yeah, definitely. Um, the design work in this is great. Like the yeah. the not like the art itself necessarily, but the the like the panel like layouts and the yeah, exactly, yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I I think you have something here if you don't include all this weird Batman stuff. Um, because I don't even mind all the all the the wacky names and sort of the, you know, I don't even mind that bit of it. But uh, just the bat the Batman stuff is just completely of a different tone and a. A really less interesting story, too. It's like tangentially, it's 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 not satisfyingly tying into the Wonder Woman stuff. I I feel like the first you could have had the first issue and five pages of this issue, and then next issue is number two. Like, it shouldn't have taken halfway through... It shouldn't take the start of a third issue to put Batman and Wonder Woman together. No. I I would not have pegged this book as one to have a Dark Side War reference in it. <laughs> yeah. But we see Batman in the, uh, in the Mobius chair. Mm. That we do. That is the name of the chair, right? It said it wrong coming out of my mouth. No, that's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I wish this was uh, this was better, but that's all right. Anyway, thank you for listening, folks. This is a relatively concise episode of the DC3Cast. It'll lock, clock in at under 90 minutes. It's not like <laughs> wow. this anymore. We're, we're practically, uh, it's practically a mini-sode at this point. Well, we didn't have an issue of Bane Conquest to talk about, so <laughs> that is probably true. And we'll definitely make up with it, make up for it next time with Doomsday Clock and Metal. So, uh, until then, go to multiversitycomics.com where you can find all sorts of DC news, reviews, etc., as well as the rest of the comics landscape as well. And you can follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. I'm at Vince Ostrowski. Matt Servox eighty nine, and we'll be back in in a week or so to talk about more DC Comics. And we did not forget about the Watchmen thing. We're going to do it soon. We promise. So uh, good night, everybody. I forgot about it. It's going to look like the smallest wind sock you've ever seen.